Thank you for joining us today for the Conform to Christ podcast, where we aim to engage the mind, affect the heart, and call people to follow Christ. My name is George Mays, and sitting here with me is Jay Jones. Good morning, George. Good morning. How are you today? I'm I'm doing okay. Better. So Monday, you said that your back was killing you, mm-hmm. but uh, you went yeah, to uh, you went to the chiropractor. Yeah. Go. So there's this joint in between. The bottom of your spine, it's like kind of shaped like a triangle, and your hip, and I can't remember the name, it's sacralic joint or something like that. So I lay down there, and he's like, oh, oh yeah, yeah. I can see that it's uh, it's misaligned, it's out of place. Well, first off, I have to say, it pinches a nerve when it's out of place, so I couldn't put any like weight on my leg. It's really weird. Have you ever had that? Mm-mm. Oh, man, it's, it's crazy. So he's like, <laughs> he pushes in, and he's like, there it goes. You'll be okay. Just ice it. And he walks out. <laughs> like he just just left me. Yeah. He's like, I'll be here if you need me. Uh, one minute thirty seconds. Wow. But it's I mean it's fifty bucks. Okay. But it's feel bucks, better. Feel better bucks, though. Fifty bucks well spent. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's. You know, I, I'm gonna of, have to. I'm gonna. You have, have to go to eventually. Make, I'm gonna have to make an appointment. Yeah. You've never. You've never gone. I've never been. Nope. Yeah, well, you know, I hardly go. I think to I'm the just going to make an all. effort. I'm going to make an effort to. I mean, I'm 40. You know, I've mm-hmm. been riding off. Like ah, you know, I'm okay because I'm kind of an. I, I was athletic, and, yeah. but time catches us all, George. My body's falling apart. So I it's think pro- this year, it's probably because when you tell me I'm gonna I'm gonna head over and get a salad, you come back with a cheeseburger. That might be the reason. <laughs> they shouldn't have such good advertising <laughs> when you're driving up through the through the drive-through. Yeah. I'm gonna have to start just working out, mm-hmm. so I'll make a good effort this uh, this year because my body's falling apart. Yeah, well, gotta, good luck with that. Gotta gotta stay <laughs> in luck. shape so I can walk up to the pulpit. I couldn't. I, y'all would have had to carry me up Sunday <laughs> <laughs> if they didn't. If they weren't able to pop that back in, y'all would have had to carry me up there. Do like uh, they did with with Calvin <laughs> when he was on his deathbed yeah. and carry him up. Hmm. <laughs> So I'm doing much better. Okay. And I've got That's in front fair. of me a Bible open to Romans, which is always a good sign for a podcast. Uh-huh. When you got your Bible prepped to Romans, which we're going to get to here in a bit. Yeah, we've got a we've got a uh, a pretty pretty full lineup today. Mm-hmm. Um so of course it's free for all Friday. So we uh scour the interwebs during the week to try to find some things to talk about, um, maybe some things that you probably come across on social media. That's where we find yeah. a lot of our, our uh, material. And we just want to approach it from a biblical worldview. We want to help you to engage in these uh, these stories and these events from a biblical worldview. We want to go to the scriptures and say, hey, God's word has given us everything that we need. Mm-hmm. and It's sufficient. And so we want to turn to that because I think a lot of people, when they see um, they see some of these videos and stories on Facebook, their immediate reaction is an emotional one. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's okay to express emotion, but you don't want your emotions to lead you and to drive you. And so we want to first approach it from a biblical standpoint. We want to go to God's Word. What does God's Word say? That needs to inform our minds and then 
affect our hearts. Yeah. So engage our mind, affect our hearts. We've talked about that. Uh, that's why we begin yeah. each each podcast episode with that that little motto. We want yeah. to engage the mind and affect the heart. Uh, that's what we're trying to do. So we've got uh, we've got some and based off the timing, here. based off the timing, of what goes on in the week, we don't do all of the ones because sometimes we record and then like oh that's something oh, popped yeah. up on Friday. Oh yeah, we record this on Thursday. Also, like maybe uh, uh, Al Mohler will have covered it in depth, and uh-huh. we're like, ah, we don't really need to cover that because he did, or we covered it in the past, mm-hmm. like Rand Paul thing where he's talking to the uh, questioning that lady. Oh yeah. I mean, how many times are we going to talk about transgenderism? Here's a guy dressed up in a dress. Yeah, I mean, we, um, we can. Do, do we need to talk? Do we need to talk again? about that? <laughs> I mean, we've talked about it many times yeah. already. Uh, I'm sure we'll deal with it again. But Moeller, he dealt with he dealt with that. Yeah, in depth. Uh, the Dr. Seuss thing. He mm-hmm. he put a thing out about that. So if you're interested mm-hmm. in the Dr. Seuss stuff, just go on over check out Moeller's podcast. Sometimes we beat him, beat him to the punch, though. Sometimes, sometimes, and we don't even have a staff. We talked. Okay, so oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, one one example is that just a couple of weeks ago, uh, Marcus Pittman, who is well, he used to be at Apologia. I think he's up in in Moscow, Idaho, Idaho now at mm-hmm. Doug Wilson's church. Yeah. But he posted something about the Gen Z Bible translation, that beat, Bible devotional. We, we covered that months, that months before oh, yeah. that happened. And yeah. he, everyone's outraged because here's Marcus Pittman. He's got a lot of followers. Yeah. And they're all outraged over it. And here we are with our dozen viewers. Yeah. It's like, eh. They're loyal. We've already covered this. <laughs> we've already covered this. We already know that this was ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. So. They're loyal viewers, though. So we let, let's start it off light. How about that? Let's start the program off light. And then we're going to get into the meat of it. We got a clip of, uh, what's this comedian's name? Harvey? Steve Harvey. Steve Harvey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Family Feud guy. Uh-huh. And then uh, William Lane Craig, what he says in response to him. Yeah, yeah. And that'll okay. be the meat of it. But okay. let's let's start it off light. All right, so I ran across this story, and you may have seen this. Um, it's been going around that the Pope um, is predicting that uh, God may send another worldwide flood um, if we don't do something about climate change. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he was interviewed, and I guess this came out in a book. Okay. And uh, so he um, he mentions the biblical flood, and he says that um, that he, he's warning that humanity might see another flood mm. if uh, if actions related to the climate do not change. He says a great deluge, perhaps due to a rise in temperature and the melting of the glaciers, uh, will happen now if we continue on the same path. Um. That was supposed to have already happened. So, <laughs> well, right. yeah. I mean, the the prediction has been. Yeah, it's way past. We're way past it. Mm-hmm. I mean, they it was like I think at the original date was like 2013 or something. Yeah. That uh, you know, Florida was going to be underwater. Right. Yeah. There's a number of problems with we've just, been, just we've the been, prediction itself. I right. Mean, Antarctica, I, the ice in in uh, Antarctica is growing. Mm. That that would be a problem. Um, yeah, I remember what ten years ago the the picture of the polar bear. Yeah, on the of course, yeah, on just that block of ice mm-hmm. floating out. That was that was doctored, wasn't it? Didn't they prove that that was not I, uh, that wasn't something shady was going on with uh-huh. it? Yeah. All right, but our main problem is not so much with uh, the climate change, so much as the head of the Catholic Church saying that God may send another great flood. 
if we don't do something about climate change. And there's a, a big glaring problem with what he says, <laughs> right. right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's called uh, God's Covenant with Noah. Right. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's almost as if the Pope yeah. doesn't read his Bible. <sighs> or if he does, he doesn't believe I, what it says. I wonder, supposedly he's a theologian. Uh, somebody posted something about him being a theologian, but I'm like, I don't know, you know. I don't. I don't know. Um, yeah, it seems to be a problem if you really think that the Earth could be flooded again. Yeah. So uh, we all we have to do is go to um, Genesis. Well, we can go to Genesis eight, the end mm. of Genesis eight, going into Genesis nine. This is the flood has receded. Um, so we need to be really clear. This is not a mythological story. This isn't some kind of legend. This yeah. is a real historical event. I know that there are. Well, it brings up another question: Does the Pope believe that? It I don't is know. A real event. Well, in this he... story, so I found this on Newsweek. Um, it it it's a little confusing. I'm not exactly sure what the Pope believes. It, the story says the Pope continued by mentioning the biblical flood is a mythical tale, according to experts. Although, quote, the flood is a historical tale, archaeologists say, because they found traces of a flood in their excavations. So I don't know which one he's following. I, I don't know if he believes that it was um, a mythical tale or a historical tale. I, I don't know. With this pope, it could go either way. Right. I, I have no idea. Um, he, he tries to play both sides. So I, I don't know. Um, obviously, he thinks that another great flood could happen because of climate change. I don't know. Um, but we believe that it's a historical event. Mm. Moses believes it's a, a historical event when he wrote this. Yeah. Um, Jesus believed that it was a, a historical event. He mentions it. Peter mentions it. He believes it's a historical event. So if you're going to say this is mythological or this is some kind of um, morality tale, mm -hmm. uh, you got you have to deal with the fact that uh, maybe Jesus got it wrong. <laughs> right. right, but we're not going to go that that route. So yeah. the the flood, we believe that it it actually happened. We believe that it, it happened the way that Moses um, records it, and so Moses records at the end of of Genesis chapter eight. Moses or Noah has come off the the ark. The flood waters have receded. Noah and his family and all the animals they come off the ark, and it says that Noah built an altar to the Lord, um, and he offers a sacrifice. Um, and it says, when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man, uh, for the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I ever again strike down every living creature as I have done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. That right there, if you believe that, that should really wreck um, climate change, like this This catastrophic global warming that's going to yeah. wipe out everything that right there annihilates that view yeah i, I mean i'm not a, i don't i don't deny that um even that man could influence the environment mm -hmm. in such a way that we could lose even uh, portions of our coastline and cities would have to move yeah right it, it could run like like venice miami new york city I, i'm not opposed to that idea we could we can only hope right <laughs> How many years have we well, been waiting for California to well, break off? Well, the people will move, George. To, yeah. Well, to, that's true. The people will move then to the flyover states. Uh -huh. So then, you know, right. then the states that actually function yeah. uh, will be run by leftist ideologies. Yeah. But um, I think uh, if you look at what happens when the earth gets warmer, like there's there are benefits, and, and mankind, we adapt. I mean, you can look in certain parts of... 
the Caribbean, and they know that there were uh, civilizations that lived in roads that are under the ocean right now. Mm-hmm. So we adapt to the environment. Um, yeah. We can we can harm the environment. I mean, we, we believe that as Christians. Genesis three. Uh, we literally wrecked the earth because of our sin. Now, uh, environmentalists, leftists aren't going to believe that. So I, I believe that we affect the environment and we're sinners and we can really hurt the earth. We shouldn't. We should take care of the earth and steward it, but we believe for different reasons. Right. We don't worship the earth. We mm-hmm. worship the God who made it, and out of obedience to him, we want to care for his creation. It's a very different view, but if it happens, it won't be... A cataclysm. That's right. what I'm saying. Right. Because God's word is true. Mm-hmm. So there could, the, the oceans even could rise. I'm open to that. And we lose great portions of the coastlands. And um, we, well, cha- we have to before, adapt. We adapt. Even before climate change, there were the sea would encroach upon the land. Um, over in Asia Minor, you know, modern day Turkey, mm. um, Ephesus, the, the Mediterranean was. Um, eroding away parts of Ephesus, yeah. so it, the 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 ancient city is not all there because of because of the water um, taking over. Now that's not because of man made climate change, right? Right. Yeah. So it's not going to be cataclysmic. Yeah. And Peter picks up on this, and he he even uh, says uh, it's not going to be like that. Right. It's going the earth will be destroyed by fire. Well, we look at we look again at Genesis chapter nine. God says, "I establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood, and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth." Mm. So there's not going to be this this worldwide cataclysmic flood mm-hmm. um, because of. Of climate change, and like you said, Peter in Second Peter chapter three, he he says that the end is not going to come with a flood; it's going to come with fire. Yeah, that, that when Christ comes, um, the world and and the elements will be burnt up with fire, and so that's that's the next big, that's the next cataclysm. Right, like there's not going to be a flood; there's going to be uh, the fires of judgment when Christ returns. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, we make fun of the Pope a lot. Because he deserves it, <laughs> and uh, what I but wonder- it just it just seems like he he's not taking the Bible seriously. He's not he's not um, you know you'd think as the head of the Catholic Church that he would have some kind of concern for other Catholics, like he'd want them to be strong in the Catholic faith. But this Pope seems to be going out of his way to erode the um, any kind of confidence in Catholic dogma. Like, we disagree. Well, the- we disagree. Big time with the yeah. Catholic Church, but if you're going to be a Catholic, at least be a Catholic. Yeah. And this Pope, he's he's going out of his way to just with open arms just welcome everyone. And we talked last time about him going to the the uh, the pagan temple yeah. over in in Iraq and having this you know interfaith service uh, prayer service for the children of Abraham. Yeah. Like this Pope, he's not he's not Catholic. <clears throat> if if you're, I doubt if any Catholics are listening, but. If you are, um, the Pope is not leading you in the right direction. He's he's steering you even further away from the Bible. You need to come back to the Bible. What does the Bible say? Read the Bible. That's yeah, my read challenge the Bible. to Catholic. Mm-hmm. Read the Bible. Yeah. Yeah, read yeah. the Bible, because this uh, this Pope, he's not encouraging you to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, well, I don't even know if he believes it. What a strange time, though, because isn't the other Pope still alive? The Benedict. Guy, Benedict. He stepped mm-hmm. down. That guy was like a he was like a legit right follower of right. The, the Catholic tradition. Mm-hmm. No, 
Yeah, and then so. and then what happened? And they got this, like, what a switch. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why he, um, why he stepped down. Wild. But uh, but even then, like he's not reading his Bible because the Bible says that we are justified, we're counted righteous through faith alone in Christ alone, right. and it's apart from works. It's not you don't add works to be acceptable to God. You are. Mm. You are saved through faith in Christ alone. What's interesting about uh, the modern modern Catholics, uh, including this Pope, is they seem to be um, ignoring. Is it Trent, the Council of mm-hmm. Trent, which anathematized yeah. anyone right. that does not that would say you you are baptized by faith alone in Christ mm-hmm. alone, uh, or, or say you're justified by faith alone? Let them be anathema is what it says. Uh-huh. But they also establish that there's no salvation outside the Catholic Church. Right. None. Now, today's Catholics, and this will help us segue into our next section, um, today's Catholics and the Pope seem to be inclusivists, right? Like they believe you can be saved by the light that you have. Have you noticed that? Yeah. That's And that is actually against the Catholic doctrine mm-hmm. of the Council of Trent, which right. is supposed to be like stamped in stone. Yeah. So that... Brings us to this uh, next clip. I'm going to pull up this clip, George. This is uh, William Lane Craig responds to Steve Harvey. Uh, Steve Harvey is a family feud guy, talented guy, talented uh, comedian, and enjoy watching him. I just think he, he's, a pretty, he's pretty funny. Um, what I always want to tell Christians is don't get your theology from like celebrities and comedians, right? They're not, they, well, don't, they don't know what they're talking that's about. A, that's a good. That's a good reminder and a good warning because it seems like in our, um, I think a lot of Christians they want to be legitimized by celebrities. Yeah, that's why everyone was fawning over Tim Tebow, uh, yeah. Kirk Cameron. Um, yeah, when Kanye, yeah, professed to be a Christian, like everyone jumped on the Conway Kanye wagon. Mm-hmm. We don't need to be legitimized by more celebrities. Yeah, that's the, right. The gospel is already legitimate because Christ has risen from the dead. Um, but yeah, you you don't need to go to your celebrities to uh, strengthen your faith. Go back to the Bible. What does the Bible say? Yeah. So that's what we'll do in this clip. Let's uh, first we'll talk about what Harvey says. Okay. Okay. And then well, we'll play the whole clip. Harvey and William Lane Craig. Okay. And then we'll address Harvey. And then we'll address Craig. Okay. And we'll use um, the Book of Romans. How about that? Let's do it. But we use God's Word. Okay, let's pull this video up. Here it goes. Let's see if we can get some sound first off, first try. I think we got it. Here we go. One one way to heaven, no one way to paradise. It's like television. Now it's over 800 channels of cable, and they're all pretty entertaining. So I'm pretty sure, man, that to get to heaven, there's got to be more than one route. And because somebody watching another channel or taking another channel than you, they still getting entertained, and they probably still getting to heaven. There is no solution to human sin apart from the atoning death of Christ. It's very clear in the New Testament that all persons are I think sinful. it might be helpful if we just deal with Harvey's first, okay? Because um, okay. then they're going to they're gonna hear Craig's, and uh-huh. okay. it, it's like four minutes of Craig, right. and they're going to forget the Harvey. Okay. So Harvey, 
Okay. okay. So he he's comparing religion to channels. Uh-huh. Um, so that one of the things I notice about this is he almost captures accidentally the idea that the Western man has of what religion is. Okay. A channel is meant to entertain you and make uh-huh. you happy, right? Right. And that's what he says. Like religion is like mm-hmm. a channel. There's different channels for different people, and they're still being entertained. What do you think of that statement? I, you know, I hadn't grabbed that until you you mentioned it. Um, but yeah, you're absolutely right. This is the way that people view religion: is um, whatever works for you, mm-hmm. whatever is um, you know feeding that need that you that you have. Yeah, he's he's absolutely right that people aren't they're not so much concerned about the truth as they are what works for me. Yeah. Um, I saw someone, I, I, I was just scrolling through Facebook this morning. I, I don't even know what it was, but I, I just noticed that someone on my feed, they posted something. I think it was maybe, you know, one of these tearjerker stories about a pet and his owner. And I don't know, but she, it was her comment that, that made me pause. She said, I don't know this, if this is true, but I believe it. <laughs> And I think that that kind of summarizes a lot of people's approach to religion nowadays. I don't, right. I don't know if it's true, but I believe it, and yeah. it works for me. Yeah. And if it doesn't work for you, find what works for you. Makes me happy. Makes uh-huh. me feel good. Yeah. So I think I think you're right. Um, the the illustration that he used, it's it's not a good illustration, but it does it does um, capture this idea that well, it's you know, it, it's got to work for you. And um, whatever works best for you, it's just like a different channel. Not everyone likes watching the same show. Whatever, yeah. whatever um, you know, affects you the best. That's that's what you need to go with. Okay. So then, then he, then he. Let's talk the destination. The destination everybody's trying to get to is heaven, and so everybody's got a different channel, and right. so this then would correlate to mm-hmm. there are many different ways to get to heaven, yeah. brings up this question. This question must be asked. If you're listening, you've got to ask this question, what is heaven? Mm-hmm. Because the Christian idea of heaven is different. Yeah. Right? Our destination is a person. Right. And we've talked about this before on this podcast numerous times. It comes up in the pre- our preaching because it's the truth of the Bible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, heaven is um, the eminence. That means the nearness um, to be to be surrounded and intimate with God for eternity. Yeah, a holy, perfect being, the only true and living God, to be in His presence, which means the presence of Jesus Christ. Um, which is amazing because. Um, if you think about it, the the uh, communication that we can have with this eternal God is um, now even greater because Jesus lives as an eternal man. Mm. So we actually, we don't go and there's some like, we live in a physical body and we live in this place and God's presence is just here and we just feel him like there's a person we can see and touch and have fellowship with. It's Jesus Christ. Yeah. That's heaven for us. Mm-hmm. And that's not heaven for everybody else. <laughs> Anyone that ever says 
there's got to be many different ways to heaven that that all of these religions are legitimate just reveals the the fundamental ignorance that they have about these religions like we're not talking about little superficial yeah. differences um hindus and buddhists they believe in reincarnation yeah and so they're trying to reach enlightenment and enlightenment especially for buddhists is to become nothing become nothing to cease to exist pretty much that's right? <laughs> how do you how can you as an intelligent person and i know steve harvey is an intelligent person how could he say all right becoming nothing becoming one with nothing and having an 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 eternal relationship with the risen Christ. Those are, that's, that's basically the same thing. Right. The <laughs> same destination. Yeah. yeah. How can you, how can you possibly reconcile the two? Mm-hmm. How can you reconcile the, uh, the Mormon view that you become your own God with your own planet um, and you father children that populate this planet Right. With the the biblical view that we find at the end of Revelation. Yeah. Like you you have to simply ignore what what each religion teaches. And and as a Christian, that should offend us. But if you are a Hindu or a Buddhist or a, a Muslim, that should offend you too. Right. Like you should you should be the first to say, We don't believe the same thing as Christians. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's not our goal. Our goal is not the same, um, yeah. But you just have to. These these are not just surface level differences that we're talking about. It's yeah. not the difference between Baptists and Presbyterians, right? Like, yes, we have the same destination, yeah. even though we have minor differences. Um, but that is not the same as saying Christians and Hindu are they're they're on the same they're on the same journey. They're they're going to reach the same destination. They're just taking different paths. That's that's completely insane. I think most people, too, when we talk about heaven, that would say, like maybe like Steve Harvey, I don't know this for a fact, but I, it's probably, I'm probably uh, correct in this assessment, and I think most people in America, uh, maybe that self-identify as Christians, they don't even have the correct um, understanding of, they have a Gnostic idea of heaven. Yeah, where we're disembodied mm-hmm. for eternity, where we live in a disembodied state in this perfect paradise like place that's up there somewhere, and our relatives and our families are there. But the Christian idea of heaven, living in this uh, this uh, presence, this imminent presence of God, that He's our God and we're His people and we right. live with Him, is in a new creation. Right. With physical bodies, and mm-hmm. Christ rose from the dead. He's the first fruits. Yeah. He's the first fruit. He's, uh, and we will rise from the dead and right. will live in a perfect universe, mm-hmm. like a new creation. Yeah, uh, it with will a be physical place. Yeah, we'll have we'll have physical bodies. We'll yeah. live in a physical environment. Yes, um, there will be. I suppose there will be grass and trees and uh, you know a breeze and. Yeah. I, I mean, there, there's going to be differences because um, yeah. we live in a fallen world. We don't know what an, an unfallen, glorified world looks like. Yeah. Um, but we do know it's going to be physical because Christ is physical. Yeah. And God, God made us body soul units. Yeah. Like we we consist of bodies and souls. That's what it means to be a person. Yeah. Um, not just a soul. And so, when God created the the material world, He says this is very good. Yes. And he's not going to 
annihilate it and we're just going to be spirits Spirit forever. Beings, yeah. um, he's going to renew creation to this glorified state with mm-hmm. glorified human beings in it. Yeah. Um, I think, and, and I grew up in a Southern Baptist church singing these hymns that um, were always talking about uh, streets of gold and mansions. And and I think that a lot of people, they get caught up in um, the place and they forget that heaven is Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like that's what, that's what paradise is. It's, it's walking with God like Adam did mm-hmm. in the garden only in a an elevated um, state because we'll be we'll be made like him yeah. and um, like you said the the destination is a person the the destination is a relationship and I think that the way that heaven is often communicated to evangelicals and the way that that it's often expressed and people express their hope in heaven is um, they could take the place without Jesus just as well as Jesus being there. Jesus is just kind of the, he's the the icing on the cake, but the place is good. And they, they maybe not intentionally, but they kind of, they kind of, you know, kind of shuffle Jesus off to the side and they, they don't make that the center. Like he, he is the reason that heaven is heaven. Yeah. He, he is what will make the new heavens and the new earth glorious is because we will see God face to face. Yeah. It's hard for people to grasp this idea of heaven being a relationship like with a person mm-hmm. because I think most many people just have really bad broken relationships in this world. Yeah. I mean honestly we get a taste of it when we gather as a church and we're in in unity mm-hmm. as we worship God and we take the Lord's supper. But even beyond that I was thinking about it in my family. So there's just been sometimes just with my family when I've got all the kids with me and I just think this is a taste of heaven, you know. You got your your you could just be lost in it forever. Yeah. And that's heaven, but a million fold because that intimate feeling of you're made for relationship, you're yeah. hardwired. Right. You'll have it with God. And not only we have it with God, that relationship makes all these others with humans perfected. Right. So it's very strange to think that you'll you'll have this type of feeling um, with God and with all of mankind, mm-hmm. and the, and people that have broken relationships, they they can't they have nothing to grasp grasp it, but they still long for it. Right, they long for it, and so they seek it out. Relationships with other people, and um, so it's there. Yeah, you know. Okay, so that's Steve Harvey. Yeah. Um. So we can. Going to the scriptures, um, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Peter, the apostles, speaking to the religious leaders, they say that that God has given no under, other name under heaven uh, by which he may be saved, but by the name of Jesus. Yeah. Right? Um, and so we can, if you believe what Jesus says, if you actually call yourself a Christian, then you can't buy into Steve Harvey's false teaching and he claims to be a christian yeah um so he he either doesn't know what the bible teaches or he simply doesn't believe it. he thinks that he can just discard stuff yeah like this is what christianity teaches um you can uh take it or leave it but you have no right or authority to twist what it says Mm -hmm. christianity is exclusive it says jesus is the only way to god 
um, and thereby the only way to heaven. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you claim to be a Christian, believe that or stop calling yourself a Christian because yeah. that's what Christianity teaches. That's right. And you can, you, can, you can hate it, but you can't deny that's what Christianity teaches. Okay, so I'm going to back it up. Okay. It'll be the end of Harvey. And then so, so let's talk about William Lane Craig real quick. Okay, yeah. Like he's, he is a Christian apologist. An <clears throat> apologist is someone who gives a defense of the Christian faith. Yes. And this guy is, I mean, he's one of the top, the top guys. Um, he, goes wow. debate, yeah. he goes around and debates. He goes around and speaks. Um, he's written books. He's, um, I would say William Lane Craig is the number one evidentialist apologist. Okay. In the world, an evidentialist would be. Um, so he's someone who would argue from human reason, okay, uh, before arguing from scripture. So a, pre- a presuppositionalist would uh, would argue in a different manner. Mm-hmm. Um, so Bonson would be a presuppositionalist. Then you have classicists, right. which uh-huh. are slightly different. Yeah, R.C. Sproul, uh, Sproul would be a classicist. Though Sproul, if you give, if you're generous with him, like we should be generous, mm-hmm. and you look into detail what he's doing. He's he's pretty his main argument is very presuppositional. Mm-hmm. So Sproul will argue from um, Romans one, for instance, mm-hmm. as a basis that right. everyone knows they're not God. Right. So his main argument would be, I think therefore I know I am, mm-hmm. right? Um, and the first thing you know when you know you are is that you're not God. Right. And that there is a God. Yeah. So Romans one, and yeah. he'll kind of build up from there. So William Lake Craig, he takes He's evi- he takes evidences. Yeah, we uh, I have a, uh, we used his book um, back in seminary. Um, okay. As far as evidentialist books go, it's a good book. Uh, Reasonable faith. Uh, he is. We have to give him credit where credit is due. He absolutely destroys atheists. Yeah, like it's total destruction because hmm. he's he's not only a Christian apologist, he's very skilled in philosophy. Mm-hmm. Very skilled in philosophy. Yeah. Um, so these these big atheists that like to talk a lot of trash, uh, Dawkins, like they won't debate him because mm. they know what'll happen. Yeah. He's gonna, he's gonna he, he just based off of philosophy, he's gonna turn he's gonna tie him in a knot. Um, so I'll give him credit there where credit's due. He's a skilled philosopher. Okay. That does not mean he. Handles the Bible. Handles the Bible <laughs> well, like we believe uh-huh. one should handle the Bible that has right. a public ministry. Right. So, let's check out what he says, okay. and then we'll use Romans to say, okay, because uh, it may sound good at first to people. They might hear it. And they say, "Oh, well, come yeah, on, Jay, don't, don't don't spoil this okay, for okay. everybody." Here we go. You guys ready for this? It's about four minutes long, so you guys hang in there. All right. Still getting heaven. There is no solution to human sin apart from the atoning death of Christ. It's very clear in the New Testament that all persons are sinful and separated from God, morally guilty before him, and in need of his forgiveness. And that Christ's death on the cross is God's solution to human sin and estrangement from God. So apart from the cross of Christ, there just isn't any provision for man's sin, for, for atonement and, for, and reconciliation. Now, why think that Christ's sacrificial death is efficacious for human sin? Well, his resurrection from the dead. He was crucified because he claimed 
to be God's anointed and the herald of the kingdom of God into human history. And God's raising Jesus of Nazareth from the dead vindicates in a public and unequivocal way those allegedly blasphemous claims for which he was crucified. If this man has been raised from the dead, then the God that he had allegedly blasphemed has publicly committed himself to him and vindicated those radical claims. And so it is on the basis of the evidence of the resurrection that we can believe in the efficacy of Christ's atoning death. And for that reason, I believe that Christ and Christ alone is the means of salvation. Now, that raises then further... Okay, I'll just stop for a second. What do you think about what he said so far? So far, is it so far so, far so good? Uh, yeah, I think so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so he's, he is saying that Jesus is the only way it's only through his death on the cross that people are saved. Yeah. And apart from the resurrection, mm -hmm. we'd have no reason to believe anything Jesus said, Right. but because God raised him from the dead, he vindicated his son and thus put his stamp saying everything Jesus said in his ministry was right. Mm -hmm. And he died for our sins. He rose from the dead. So, so far, um, Nothing he said, I don't think, is is wrong. Mm -hmm. So let's see what he says now, because okay. he says it raises some further questions. Difficult theological questions, namely, well, what about those then who have never heard of Christ? How are they going to be judged? It would be unfair for God to judge them for not having placed their faith in Christ when they've never heard of Christ, and God is fair. So. What do you do with those people? And it seems to me that the answer of the New Testament is that God judges people on the basis of the light that they have. That those who have only the light of God's general revelation in nature and conscience will be judged on the basis of their response to that. Those who have the light of his special revelation and the gospel will be judged on the basis of their response to that. Now that doesn't mean that anyone can be saved apart from the atoning death of Christ. It just means that it would be possible that someone could be a beneficiary of Christ's atoning death without having a conscious knowledge of Christ. He would be like a person who suddenly discovers that he is a benefactor, um, uh, or he is in the will rather, of some rich uncle that he never knew that he had and is suddenly heir to a huge fortune, even though he never knew he had this rich uncle. Uh, a person could be a beneficiary of Christ's atoning death without having a conscious knowledge of Christ. And there are certain people in the Old Testament like this. Job, for example, had no knowledge of Christ. He wasn't even an Israelite. He wasn't even a member of the Abrahamic covenant. And yet very clearly Job had a personal relationship with God. So it seems to me that God um, will judge people on the basis of their response to the light that they have um, and that uh, anyone who is saved will be saved only through Christ's atoning death. Now much, much more could be said about this and if you look at, for example, um, my book On Guard, the final chapter in that book wrestles in even greater depth with this question of uh, what I call Christian particularism as opposed to religious pluralism. 
But I think perhaps this is en enough has been said to say why I think that Christ alone is the means of salvation and why this does no injustice uh, to any human being in the world in terms of the availability of salvation and the benefits of Christ's death to that person. What about the, the verses in Scripture that say you have to confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, Jesus is Lord, then you will be saved? What do you well, mean? what that verse says in Romans is if you believe in your heart, uh, or if you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That states a sufficient condition of salvation, not a necessary condition, okay. right? It says, if you do these things, you will be saved. And that's true. But Job didn't do those things. Moses didn't do those things. So that's not a necessary condition. That's a sufficient condition. All right. Hey. Switch it back. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So there's a lot to deal with there. The more um, you talk, the more scripture that kept popping into my mind. So. <clears throat> yeah. Well, uh, I'll try to bring it back up too in case I need to play any okay. of those clips again. So let's distill down for the listener or those watching. What is the basis? Like, what what is his general argument? So he's he's arguing that no one is saved apart from Christ. So if someone is saved, um, it's because the work of Christ, right. his death, burial, and resurrection, has been counted to them. Right. But then, so he, he's so he's blowing away Steve Harvey's pluralism. He, yes. So Steve, Steve Harvey would be uh, in, well in a way, but in a way he's not right. So Steve Harvey would be probably. Uh, it sounds like Steve Harvey is promoting universalism. Yeah, that there's, uh, you know, as many numbers of ways to God as there are people. Right. Uh, but um, and so he he says that there's only one way that Jesus is the only way. Yeah. Good. So he's not a universalist, but he's saying that there are people who um, could be. Saved. Um, saved by Jesus without knowing that they're saved by Jesus. Right. And no so this is called inclusivism. Yeah. So he's saying that people are saved based off of the light that they have. Mm -hmm. That's his argument. So really what that means, he might not come out and say it explicitly, is that a Mus Muslim could be saved by based off of the light that they have. Right. And the knowledge that they live a good life, I guess, perhaps if they've responded to the revelation that they've received in their life, or a Hindu, or whoever. Mm -hmm. And then they'll find out afterward, oh, I'm actually saved because of the work of Jesus. Right. But when it comes down to it, the person, I think it makes it salvation by works, honestly. Because mm -hmm. they're they're saved by their own sincerity or their own right. response to the light that they have. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Where on earth is he getting this from? <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess he's 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 appealing, I think, to Romans, to Romans chapter one and two. He's trying to, <laughs> yeah. right? He's he's trying to, um, and in a sense, I would agree that God judges based upon the amount of light that someone has. So I believe that the Bible teaches. Um, degrees of judgment, yes, or cult levels of hell, however yeah. you want to 
describe it. Woe to you, Bethsaida and Chorazin, for if the miracle, like if Sodom and Gomorrah Mm -hmm. had heard and seen what you have seen, they would have repented. Right. And so he's saying to those cities, it'll be worse off for you Mm -hmm. the day of judgment than for Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah. Because they have more knowledge. They have the Son of God Uh doing doing miracles. To 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 the one whom much has been given, much will be required. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that's not a Spider-Man quote, <laughs> right? <laughs> you no, make it. it's not. Are you? Are you it's, not, it's not Uncle Ben. Yeah, that's Jesus, right? <laughs> that's, um, so I, I think that you can safely say, uh, at least from from how I'm understanding the words of Jesus, that someone who um, who you know never heard of, of Jesus won't be judged based on on that. So they they haven't rejected the gospel of Christ because they've never heard the gospel of Christ. Um, whereas someone like Pope Francis uh, will be judged based upon his un, his knowledge of uh, what the Bible teaches. So I think that in one sense we can say that, but in another, um, he's completely butchering what Romans one and two and three are are saying. Okay, so let's just tell what is the the general. Okay, Romans one, two, and three. Mm-hmm. Paul will explicitly say what he's doing in in chapter eleven, but what he's doing is he first what he does is he lays out why all Gentiles are guilty before God. So all Gentiles have general revelation of God, and he says they suppress the truth and unrighteousness. And he lists this spiral of sin which plagues the Gentile nations, or any nation that becomes idolaters. He'll also bring before the Gentile their own conscience. And you know you sin against this God because God's given you the pretty much the moral law yeah. is written upon the heart of all Gentiles. Mm-hmm. So the Ten Commandments, they might not have the Ten Commandments on stone, but they've got them on their heart and their conscience. And it'll either excuse you or excuse you on the day of judgment. Now, he's not saying that it's going to render them guiltless because he's already established that all reject general revelation. Yeah. So that all of mankind, the Gentile, is guilty before a holy God. Then he says, oh, Jews, hang on, you're no better off. You have the law, you have uh, the oracles of God, and you yourselves are just as guilty, if not more, than the Gentile, right? right. So you're all guilty. And then he'll make statements um, like, for God shows no partiality, that's 2.11, and he moves into his indictment on the Jews in chapter 3. That's where we get these great statements, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Um, and those things are undeniable. Um, kind of his summate, like this is kind of his what he's getting at. The point of Romans, he wants to have these two groups that are in Rome, Jew and Gentile, to be in fellowship with each other. Mm-hmm. So he reminds them, hey, both groups, you were both guilty before God, but by the grace of God in Jesus Christ, you're both forgiven in the same way. Yeah. Um, 11.32 says this, For God has consigned all to disobedience that he may have mercy on all. Mm. Now, not in the universalist sense. Right. Mercy on all because of Jesus Christ. Oh, the depth and the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and how unscrutable his ways. So this is Romans. All mankind is guilty, 
dead in their trespasses and sins. All can receive mercy and grace as a gift through Jesus Christ and can be justified not by works, but by faith in Christ alone. Mm. And he says this is the depths and the riches and the wisdom of God. He's consigned all to disobedience right. so that he could have mercy on whoever would come to Christ. Yeah. So Romans does not teach, well, I guess is what I'm trying to argue as clearly as I can, that any Gentile has ever or ever could be saved based off the light or the knowledge that they have. Yeah. All the light or knowledge that you have, what it does is it condemns you right. on the day of judgment. Yeah. Yeah. You you have you have been given light in general revelation. Mm-hmm. That general revelation lets you know that there is a God. Um it, it lets you know um that he's a good God, that he's wise. Um you have the conscience that is um informing you um when you break God's moral commands. Yes. Um, so it's it's not a great guide before you sin. Mm-hmm. It it condemns you after you've sinned, and um, you're you're condemned. You're condemned as a lawbreaker. But general revelation it um, it it's, doesn't. It's not sufficient. It, it's to not save sufficient you. to save you. Yeah. There's nothing in general revelation that communicates to you how you can be saved. <clears throat> now that brings us to this, George. Now I want you to. Um critique this because the guy interviewing Craig could have pressed him really hard on this mm-hmm. and he tried. He said, what about the verses that say, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus <laughs> is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Yeah. Romans chapter 10, I can't remember the exact verse. It's, t- it's verse, uh, 10, verse 9. nine. Yeah. Romans chapter 10, 10 nine. verse 9. Yeah. Romans 10, 9, yeah. And um, he says, well, that is a sufficient means of right. salvation. That is not the necessary means. Yeah. But what is, is Paul's argument in Romans chapter 10 that it is a sufficient means of salvation, or is Paul's argument actually that that is the necessary? It's necessary. Means? Okay, explain it's it necessary. to It's necessary. All you have to do is keep reading it. Okay, read, read it All to you us, have to George. do is keep reading it. I, I, you, I don't even think I need to explain it. I can just read it. Just read it. Chapter, chapter 10, verse 9, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. But that doesn't seem like this is just sufficient. It's not necessary. Mm -hmm. For the scripture says, so he's appealing to the Old Testament, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on... Everyone who, you know, just doing their best. <laughs> it's just sincere yeah. enough. No, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. Verse 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then he, he keeps going. This is important. Because you could yeah. you could say, you could go along with, with uh, William, William Lane Craig and just say, oh, well, it's, that's the sufficient. It's not necessary. It's sufficient. Yeah. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him on whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Uh, But they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us. So faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of Christ. Seems necessary. It seems necessary. 
um, not just sufficient, it's not just sufficient, it's necessary that you call upon Christ, and how are they going to call unless someone goes and tells them? So, according to William Lane Craig's logic, now, I don't think that he would follow this consistently. Right. But, and I, I don't know anyone who's, who follows it consistently without being a universalist, um, that if you follow this, that you can be sincere and be saved by Christ, then why do you need to, to send missionaries in the first place? What is the purpose of missionaries if the, um, the, the pagan, the sincere pagan, Right in the you know the jungles of the Amazon is saved by Christ without knowing it. Why would you send a missionary to tell him, and he might reject it yeah. and go to hell? Yeah. So actually, instead of instead of doing good for him, you've actually done evil to him. Right. Now that's the that's the consistent logic yes. that it's better if you don't send missionaries. Than that you do because the sincere person in their own their own way could be unconsciously saved by Jesus, but that's not Paul. That's not what Paul says. He says that he he is working his way backwards, and he's saying it is necessary to go because yeah. if you don't go, if you don't go and preach, if you don't tell them, then they won't know who Jesus is, so they won't be able to call upon him, and they won't be able to be saved. Exactly. Hey, just read just read those verses backwards. Yeah, that's right. Just, just turn it around and say that if, if they don't go, they can't be saved. Paul not only just wrote this theology, he believed it and lived it, right? right. So he lists in Corinthians his sufferings, mm-hmm. and they are profound. Yeah. Shipwrecks, beatings, stoned, right. stoned to death, wandering naked, hungry. Uh, I mean, on and on the list goes. He suffered immensely. He li- his entire life after becoming a Christian is nonstop suffering. Yeah. Uh, being in and out of jail, and eventually he'll give his life. Yeah. And many of the letters he writes, he writes from jail. Mm-hmm. He writes to, to Timothy, Second Timothy, and he explains what drives him. Now, he believes in election, that God has elected those who will be saved. Yeah. Now, if he if Paul had some strange theology like William Craig, he would just sit back and say, "God's going to save the elect." Yeah. You know, whether the elect ever hear about him or not doesn't matter. They'll be saved by the work of Christ. I can yeah. just not be beaten, it's right? So, and that's so weird. You you brought this up in a conversation yeah. um, yesterday. Is that this this kind of theology, this kind of logic that William Lane Craig is is promoting, seems to fit better with hyper Calvinism. It does. But William Lane Craig. He's not one of those. No, he's he, not. He is, uh, he's... He is an ardent uh, defender of free will. Yeah. He, he is an opponent of Calvinism. Yeah, he is. Um, but it fits more with hyper-Calvinism, that God will save yeah. the elect regardless of them hearing. But listen to Paul, the biblical yeah. approach. Remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead. This is 2 Timothy 2, beginning verse 8. Remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead, the offspring of David as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering bound with chains as a criminal. I'm bound in chains as a criminal. Why? Why does he continue to do this? This is what he says. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they may also obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Yeah. So what he's saying is, God's got people out there, when they hear the gospel, they will repent and believe the gospel. Yeah. They haven't heard it yet. 
their sal- they have not obtained the salvation yet. <clears throat> so I must suffer, I must be bound in chains as a criminal, and I'm doing it all so that all of God's people will be brought in through the preaching and the proclamation of the gospel. Yeah, we see the same thing in Acts chapter 18. Paul's in Corinth, and he's um, experiencing opposition and hostility. And uh, we read in Acts chapter 18, uh, verse 9, it says, The Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, Do not be afraid, but go on speaking, go on preaching, and do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you to harm you, for I have many in this city who are my people. Yes, exactly. Uh, What does he mean? It means that um, the the elect are in the city of Corinth, and they will come to faith in Christ. But Paul has to keep has to go going preach. on preaching to them so that they will hear and that they will believe. Yeah, very good. Now let's just deal with one thing he says. Let's 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 deal with uh, Job, okay? Because I know people might be saying you guys didn't deal with Job. I've got I've got yeah. That's that's an issue that I had. Okay. That, okay. Here's here's Job. Yeah. Job was saved. Mm-hmm. But he didn't. Uh, he didn't believe. He didn't believe in. He didn't know Jesus. Jesus. He never heard of Jesus. Right. He didn't believe in Jesus. Did he? Well, if if what we mean is he knew the name of Jesus, then we could say, well, no, right. of course not. He didn't know the name of Jesus. Um, he he didn't know you know the particulars. But if we're saying that he wasn't, if he was saved uh, apart from knowledge of a Messiah, do you have the place in Job, or do I think so? Okay, I was going to. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure this is this is where you would go to. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure I, I know where you're going, and I preach this sermon. Okay, on Easter Sunday. Okay, <laughs> Job chapter 19. Yeah, right. Um, this is Job, who, according to William Lane Craig, didn't believe in. He didn't call upon the name of Jesus. It says, for I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been thus destroyed, yet in my flesh I I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold and not another. My heart faints within me. Hmm. I don't know. (laughs) Job speaking about this Redeemer Uh who will stand upon the earth. Right. And Job believes because of this Redeemer, after Job dies, he'll be resurrected from the dead. Yeah. And I wonder him. who the Redeemer could be. Right. <laughs> right. I he even calls him God. Be. Yeah. Yeah, he even calls him God. So he um, he doesn't have the fullness of revelation. We've we've talked about this as we've gone through First Peter chapter one, um, even um, in uh, it, this last sermon on Second Peter uh, chapter one, that uh, the. The prophets of the Old Testament, they knew that they were prophesying about the Messiah, but they, they didn't have, they were, they were viewing it as, as if through shadows. Mm-hmm. They knew that they were writing for us. Mm-hmm. And it's upon us that we have the fullness of revelation. Yes. And so Hebrews chapter 1, many times in, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers through the prophets, but in these last days, he's spoken to us through his son. Mm-hmm. So there's this progression of revelation. But just because there's progression of revelation doesn't mean that there, that the saints in the Old Testament are are just completely ignorant of the fact that God is going to send a Messiah, and step by step, He's revealing what this Messiah is going to look like, what He's going to do, who He's going to be. Um, and so, by the time you get to John the Baptist, He's standing at the threshold of of who the Messiah is. Uh, but but even though Job is, I think probably around the time of Abraham, or maybe before Abraham, and he's not, you know quote, unquote, William Lane Craig, in the Abrahamic covenant, 
he still believes in this this coming Messiah. Yeah. Another problem I have is that he said Moses didn't do that. Yeah. I have a real big problem with that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have a real big problem with that one. Yeah. Moses didn't call upon the Messiah. He didn't call upon Christ. That's really interesting because uh, Jesus says uh, to the religious leaders of his day, <laughs> he says, um, for if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, um, you, you can go you to... Reading, was it John? You can go to... John. Yeah, you can go, go to uh, John chapter 8. Yeah. And, and he says that... Uh, your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Like, let's take seriously yeah. what the Bible a, says about this about the saints in the Old Testament that right. they had knowledge of the Messiah. They're I'm, not. They're not complete buffoons. Yeah. And here we are, all superior. We do have the fullness of the revelation, but the saints in the Old Testament they they did have knowledge that there was a coming Messiah, and they were trusting in Him. Yes. They were believing God, and it was counted to them as righteousness. Yeah, um, they aren't saved in a different way. Yeah, right. They're they're not saved by their works. They're not saved by being sincere. Mm-hmm. They're saved by faith in Christ. You're in all the Messiah. They're so looking they, forward. Yeah. We're looking back. They are looking forward. But the object of their faith is the same person. Yeah, salvation always comes f- not from uh, general revelation or mm-hmm. one's own conscience. Right. Or the sincerity of following false religions, which William Lamb Craig opens up that possibility. Yeah, these Old Testament saints were saved by direct revelation mm-hmm. from the one true God. Yeah, special revelation concerning the Messiah. Yeah, they believed it, and it was counted to them as righteousness. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, uh, Paul in Galatians he starts talking about the um, the the seed. Who would come out of from Abraham? Who would mm-hmm. who would save? And Paul's not he's not bringing some new information. He's bringing fuller revelation, but he's not bringing something um, that's completely new. Yeah, Abraham would have been believing in the promised seed. He would have been believing in the one that God promised would come and bring blessings to the nations. That's right. Uh, who is this? It's it's the Messiah, right? Yeah. Um, and so this this idea that um, the saints in the Old Testament are evidence that people today can be saved apart from knowledge about Jesus is, it's just completely contrary to what the Scriptures speak. It's completely contrary, yeah. So be careful when you initially hear, because like I said, the front part of it is front-loaded with truth, right, right concerning the work of Christ. Yeah. Um, read the Bible and know the Bible well. Yeah. Um, and just because it comes out of the mouth of someone that's popular or someone that has several PhDs, or maybe like Craig, someone who's an expert in his field, he's an expert in philosophy, like I said, he give credit where credit is due. Um, that doesn't mean he's correctly exegeting the Bible. Mm-hmm. So be discerning. Right. Yeah, trust trust the Scriptures. The Scriptures are clear, really. I mean, we get we come back to this always. <clears throat> The Bible is clear on these things. It's, yeah. it's not a mystery. Right. Now, don't be wowed by people's philosophy. Yeah. Uh, philosophy is good as a as a tool. Can we say it's a good analytical tool? <laughs> <laughs> it's, I mean, it's, it's good. It's good for what it 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 is. Um, but the scriptures are our final authority. Yeah. 
um, the scriptures are sufficient. Yes. And so don't let your final authority, don't let your final um, judgment rest upon your philosophy. Uh, let it rest upon what God has spoken in his word. And just take it at face value. What what does it say? That's right. right? Very good episode, George. Why don't right, you take us home? home? Take us home, my friend. Okay, well, we didn't even get to the other stuff that we had pre- prepared. We'll, so just have to, we'll just have to... Put it somewhere and maybe bring it out. Bring it out next time. But uh, hopefully, this has been encouraging to you. Hopefully, it's been edifying for you. Um, we we do just want to continually bring you back to the Bible. What does the Bible say? Because God has given us His Word. It is inerrant. It is infallible. It has all authority for us. Um, it is sufficient for us. Um, God has given it to us so that we can um, be complete so that we can be wise and uh, so we can live faithfully in this world. And so we hope that that um, has been communicated to you and and that you can uh, be more committed to the Bible and then go out and and proclaim it to others. And so as always, we are hoping that this uh, podcast helps you be more conformed to Christ.